Hello, this is episode 311, my personal favorite number, 311. <laughs> and today we're chatting about the restriction of chasing the, the scale down and down and down and what that does for us, taking care of yourself outside of a relationship, how to come to keto when mental health is your number one goal, keto and depression and mental health uh, cravings, shifting to carnivore for your mental health, and so, so much more. Our guest today is sharing her experience on keto. Her name is Jacqueline. She's a Canadian and graduated with distinction from Grant McEwen University with a diploma in theater production in 2012, but has been working in specialty coffee for over seven years. Jacqueline has struggled with her health for a while, managing an anxiety disorder, depression, asthma, weight gain, severe debilitating gut pains, and bloating as a result of eating foods that didn't work for her body, being in an emotionally abusive marriage, and so much more. Learning how to care for her mental health was a huge turning point for her. Understanding micronutrients and finding ways to fuel her brain and reduce inflammation was a game changer. The mantra, mental illness is a symptom, not a disease, inspired her to heal. Thanks to sisterhood, she was introduced to keto and quickly switched from her 19-year stint as a vegetarian to a meat-loving ketoer, gaining energy, clarity, and focus. She continues to eat keto three years into it and hopes to drop a little bit more weight in the future. She has become interested in biohacking, fasting, and the carnivore diet, eating carnivore about 85 to 90% of the time with pretty typical keto macros at 75% fat, 20% protein, and around 20 grams of carbs. I really enjoyed this conversation with Jacqueline. It's very rare that I get to chat with Canadians these days. So it was really nice to chat about even how she gets access to certain foods. I remember being very frustrated um, being in Canada, not being able to access certain things. We definitely got to that that in our conversation. If you have questions about today's content, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact and ask me. You can also catch up on previous podcast episodes and notes from today's show by going to ketodietpodcast.com. If you're unsure where the show notes are for the app that you're listening to the show on, if you're listening on YouTube, you just look down below. If you're listening uh, with any app, you can either click around and see what the buttons do, or you can go to Google and type in the app that you're using. So for example, CastBox show notes, and there'll be a little video there somewhere on Google, probably the first result that shows you had access to show notes. And this isn't just good for my episodes here, but all the shows that you listen to on your podcast app. Sometimes it's really nice to check out those show notes to see what other resources um, hosts put in their show. Okay, enough blah, blah, blah. Let's do this thing. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel, and you're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've put together a free 21-page guide on achieving weight loss on your keto diet if nothing is working as a little thank you for being here today. Grab your free guide at ketoforwomen.com to get the steps you need to overcome the hurdles standing in your way. Hey, Jacqueline, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for coming on the show today. I'm really excited. This is your first podcast and you have such a wonderful, beautiful story that I just, I had to have you on to just share your experience of life with us. All right. I'm looking forward to it. I'm a little nervous. 
that's totally fine it's totally fine you know what it's funny i still get nervous every time i press the record i'm like okay don't screw up look at the camera and then i watch the recording i'm like i didn't look at the camera once and i still need to work on this (laughs) no i'm I'm looking at me and you it's so true it's so true so i'd love i'd love for you to share with us a little bit about who you are what you do where you live yeah take it away Well, my name is Jacqueline. I am, a lot of people are surprised to hear I'm 37 years old. Uh, I get 25 a lot, which I'm okay with. Um, I live in Edmonton, Alberta. I have a background in the arts. I did some theater. I have a diploma in theater production, but uh, I've actually been working in third wave or specialty coffee for the last seven years. And yeah, I love it. I work for um, a local roaster here in Edmonton. And um, it's just been a great journey to grow with this small company and work in a really uh, exciting and fun and friendly work environment. That's amazing. <laughs> and it's it's interesting that you mentioned your age because you sent me your headshots for the episode. And I was like, whoa, she's so young. I didn't know she was that young. And then I was reading your bio and I'm like, whoa, but no, she can't like I thought you were maybe like 22 24 like you do not look your age at all and then you're like explaining your whole life story and I'm like there's no way that she can be 24 with all the things that she's experienced in life so it's great you look so much younger than you are born in 83 so oh my goodness you're older than me that is crazy um that's amazing so how did you get what was like your first introduction to food and like, was there a moment for you where you were like, I need to start caring about what I'm putting in my body or just what was that like for you to kind of start to understand nutrition, whether it was when you were vegetarian or kind of when did that start happening? Well, just for a little bit of like backstory about my life and my relationship with food is um, like a lot of young women. I grew up with a mother who was a chronic dieter who was never happy with her body. And I don't know exactly how that really translated for me, but um, I ended up being overweight most of my life. I think um, it probably came from not understanding food. And I think because of what we grew up with thinking was healthy and going to keep us thin, it was actually the opposite, which we've all learned through keto. Yeah. So I was a vegetarian for 19 years, as I told you, and um, that was strange it kind of started just out of boredom one day one summer day before I started high school I thought hey I'm gonna be a vegetarian it would be just a thing because it wasn't as popular back in the 90s to be a vegetarian it was probably becoming popular so I kind of just did it I decided I was a vegetarian and I'm uh I'm a very all-in person I'm very competitive with myself so it wasn't even um a process I just I just was one day And that stuck for uh, 19 years. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, 19 years, that's a long time to go. And it's interesting that you say you're competitive with yourself. And I wonder, did that continue the vegetarian thing longer than it probably needed to? Or like, how did that factor into everything? Yeah, I I would definitely say that I think a lot of people who are vegetarian or who have been vegetarian can identify with that it kind of becomes part of your identity. It's like your, your thing. It's like part of what I did, how you identify yourself. And um, so I found even after, I don't know, maybe 
15 or 16 years, I was starting to actually have cravings for animal products again. Uh, most notably, I was craving like raw fish, which is funny because I'd never had it before, but there was just something inside of me that was screaming that you're gonna like, you should eat this. If you ever stop being a vegetarian, this is the thing that you're gonna try and you're gonna love it. And it's like, there was, I don't know why I can't explain it. That's interesting. So I was vegan for eight years and on about the seventh year, every time I drove by KFC, all I wanted was a fatty piece of chicken thigh. Like I just wanted like the fattiest, <laughs> greasiest chicken thigh. And it was no wonder because I was deficient in protein and fat. And like, still there are days where I could, I can't even fathom how I did a zero fat vegan diet for years, like no fat. Like I just, how even, how do you go 19 years being a vegetarian? <laughs> Well, it's, it's interesting too, because it wasn't just vegetarianism, but it was dieting, right? So it was always mm -hmm. some form of restriction. It wasn't just restricting from animal foods, but it was restriction in general and always chasing the scale down and trying to be thinner as if that really meant anything, which I mean, it's good to be at a healthier weight, but it's kind of not all of it. It's not the whole equation. It's not the whole story. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so it seems like the whole health and fitness world is talking about glucose these days, and for good reason. Poor glucose control is tied to weight gain, fatigue, sexual dysfunction, diabetes, Alzheimer's, heart disease, stroke, and so much more. Now, you may think that poor glucose control is all due to the common stuff like sugar, potatoes, refined things, but this is custom to the person. So how do we track our glucose so that we can find out which foods we should and should not be eating? Well, Levels, Levels is an app that takes continuous glucose monitoring mainstream. In addition to providing you with CGM sensors, the Levels app interprets your data, scores your individual meals, and allows you to run experiments across different inputs like diet, exercise, or even new fasting protocols that you're testing. They're backed by a world-class team, including a Stanford-trained MD, top engineers from SpaceX and Google, and a research team that includes legends in the space like Dr. Dom Agostino and Dr. David Perlmutter. I've been using Levels since September 2020 and have been able to determine which carbs don't set me off, like having beans, medjool dates, figs, and oranges on my ketogenic diet where I can stay metabolically healthy and in a ketogenic state while indulging in a couple of sweet treats. They're currently running a closed beta program with a wait list of 115,000 people, but you can skip that line and join Levels today by using the link levels.link slash KDP. Again, that's levels.link slash KDP. Cool. And like, so you realize that restriction, at what point did you realize that this restriction, the chasing the scale down as you put it and like kind of seeing your mom, I mean, I have the same exact background, like watching my mom diet forever. I just thought that's what I did. And that's when people were happiest when I was losing weight and I was happiest when I was losing weight. And so when was that shift for you where you realized I can't keep doing this, this is making me crazy and I'm focused on the wrong thing. Well, as I've, I like, you know, about from my bio, uh, I dealt, I've dealt with um, mental illness all my life. So anxiety, I mean, pretty much my whole life. I think if I remember correctly, my parents even tried to put me in therapy as young as seven. So I've always kind of struggled with emotional things and mental illness. And um, towards the end of <laughs> vegetarian life, 
I was actually learning about nutrition. I I was listening to the uh, was it the Ultimate Health podcast? Is that what it was? You were on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me. Yeah, Ultimate Health podcast. Yeah, and um, but I had heard an episode with uh, Dr. Kelly Brogan, and she's um a, a psychiatrist. She's an MD, and uh, she wrote a book called The Mind of Your Own, and. It was such a door opener for me to be learning about nutrition because I thought that just being a vegetarian was healthy and and I didn't need to do anything else. Just by not eating animal products, I was being healthy. And that's kind of a common narrative that exists still. But I learned that what you eat and what types of foods and, and like the micronutrients and the macronutrients in your food and certain vitamins and minerals, particularly B12 I learned about, could really affect your mood your brain function. And that was kind of where a lot of this started. I wasn't keto yet because I didn't know about it yet, but that's, that was the door opener to nutrition. So while I was still a vegetarian, um, I started digging into nutrition because I was really desperate for, to fix my brain, to fix my mind. That's amazing. And like, I can remember the moment for me where I was like, whoa, micronutrients are a thing. And this macronutrient is a thing. And it was like, all of a sudden things started clicking into place and you get so hungry to learn about your body. What was that like, you know, given your past and the relationship that you were in and kind of like all of that to start taking care of yourself while in a relationship that wasn't taking care of you? What was that like to kind of start prioritizing your health? Uh, it was tricky. I mean, my my now ex-husband was always kind of at a like a somewhat healthy weight, I guess. He was never overweight. So he didn't really understand the struggle I was going through with food and dieting. And and um, he's he was very much on board with medicating whatever needs to be medicated. And I, I didn't like it. And I had been on antidepressants when I was much younger in my early 20s. And they didn't feel right. And I, I jumped off of them as soon as I could and didn't go back to it. But um, it was difficult because he didn't quite understand uh, the the use of, of nutrition or what I was doing. And I think he maybe felt a little pressure to try to eat like I was or to have to participate. And I think that really, it just didn't jive with him. So it, it created a bit of a break in our relationship there amongst other things. And uh, but when I started finding some healing and finding some strength and, and, you know, feeling healthier and more vibrant and really feeling the bit of change happening through just dietary change, I kind of started to see how I was being treated in the relationship. And uh, unfortunately, him being how he is when he lost that control over me, that's kind of what ended our relationship. So, so my growth and strength was great for me, bad for him. So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of, it's funny that, yeah, I, I had mentioned in my bio that the end of our relationship was kind of like really the beginning of my health. And, and what a beautiful statement and also bold to live in that, you know, I'm sure there was a time where you're like, okay, this is happening. And either I can choose to go this route, or I can choose to go this route. And it's, it's 
it's very brave of you to share that. And, and I'm just, I'm so happy that you prioritized your health. And also, um, you were sharing that you then connected with an old friend from school and got like a beautiful relationship, like a friendship out of all this that do you still talk with her today? And what was that like to kind of find friendship and another human being to connect with? Well, yeah, that's, that's a huge part of this part of my life, actually. Um, my friend Joyce, who is now my, my best friend, you know, I consider her a sister. Uh, when we hang out, we always say, I love you. And we're parting ways, you know, we're family now. Um, so basically how we reconnected was, um, so back in uh, around 2000, between 2010 and 2011, we were in school together. So she was in second year theater production. I was a first year. And that's how we kind of met but I didn't really make close friends with a lot of people in school. I was all about my relationship with my ex. And uh, so we kind of went our separate ways after graduation. Um, we kind of saw each other around a bit. I worked with her, um, with the guy she was seeing at the time. But uh, when my marriage ended, uh, I went, I wasn't really on social media a lot, but I, I felt like I needed to let my friends know and I basically just went on my Instagram account, my my personal one, not my keto one that you see. And I just posted uh, a picture of me and my now ex and just wrote the end and people got it. And because of that post, um, she actually felt the strength to share publicly that her relationship had ended as well. So she was engaged. And I think maybe a week after my marriage ended, her her engagement ended. And I saw her post about it and reached out to her. And we ended up on the phone together for a couple of hours, just like crying to each other. And, and we just bonded so much through this, this horrible experience for both of us. And, um, and I mean, jump forward, she's the one who introduced me to keto. That's amazing that like a lot of people say like social media, this, that, and the other thing, and it's, it's evil and all that stuff. But then you hear stories of people that probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to connect as you have. And the fact that you call her family and that there's that love and sisterhood there, that is just, it's so beautiful. And at what point did she share keto with you? Like, was she doing keto or she was interested in it? Or like, what was that dynamic? Like where she's like, you should try keto. What happened there? Well, uh, she was never, you know, she never said you should try keto. And I love that about her where she's like, this is the thing that I'm doing. And she told me about it, but it was never uh, like a, you should. And, um, and I think that's really important. And I've learned, I've learned that myself over the years to not, you should keto because it, it can really push people back because it's such a huge mental shift to understand what keto even means. But so she, she um, had a significant amount of weight to lose and had started, I don't know how she discovered it, but she uh, had found keto and um, she had lost a bunch of weight and she was feeling really good. And I was like, what is this crap? Like, you don't even eat rice? Like what, how do you, <laughs> how do you live? And, uh, but I'm curious and it was something to do with nutrition. So I, I looked it up. I looked at, I looked online and started reading about it and I stumbled across the, the mental health benefits of keto and I was sold. I was in, I needed to try it because at that point, yes, I did want to lose weight, 
but I was so down and so miserable from my divorce, even though I would, I had been moved out a few months and on my own, it was still eating me up. I was still sad all the time. And it got to a point where it felt like it wasn't just part of the grieving process anymore. So I, yeah, I decided to give keto a try to try to feel better. And it also gave me something to focus on other than my sad life that was happening. Yeah. yeah to kind of refresh things. And I, I love that you mentioned the should piece and yes, that's so, so important. And thank you for catching that of just the should, I mean, when you start anything with should, like you should try this or you should try that. It never comes off as a good thing usually. And people get kind of standoffish. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually learned the should thing from, from my mom because her mother used to, you should her all the time <laughs> and it just made her crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. And yeah. so you've been eating vegetarian, you're in a pretty dark place. And what was that transition like for you? And you said like, you don't even eat rice. Like what, what is this? Like, <laughs> what was that transition like for you to not eat rice? And how did that feel as you got started on the ketogenic diet? It was, you know, three and a half years ago. I don't, it's not super, I don't remember it super clearly. I know that there was anxiety about eating meat, all the I guess, rumors and stories about people eating meat for the first time after being a vegetarian and having um, horrible, like, stomach reactions, getting sick, throwing up, cramps, blah, blah, blah. Like, I just, that was kind of the expectation. So I thought to myself, okay, I'll ease into it. Maybe I'll have a little bit of, like I said, I wanted to try raw fish, but that was too far for me. So I went with smoked salmon. So you still get, like, the raw texture, <laughs> but it's not quite raw. And I tried it and I was like, oh, hell no, I am in. Like, it was, it was a rush to, to have meat again for the first time. Yeah, I, I know that when I had meat, mine was salmon also. And I was like, I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to do fish. I'm going to take my time. I had one piece of that salmon and I was like, where's the steak? Where, yeah. where is the steak? Give me the steak next. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. I, I don't really remember the first week. I know that for the first few weeks, my energy was really drained because I was doing the whole transition. I wouldn't call it full keto flu. I wasn't like sick, sick, but I just felt so like out of energy. Like I remember I would be in the shower leaning against the wall, just <laughs> trying to stay vertical and still going to work. I was definitely not exercising at all because I had no juice in the tank. But I, I kind of just, I kept adding meat. Um, thankfully, uh, the building that I was working in at the time, there's a, a butcher that does local grass-fed meat. So I tried ground beef for the first time in almost 20 years. Yeah, it was just, it was really interesting bringing it back into my life. I've chatted about the ongoing benefits of supplementing with electrolytes on your ketogenic diet beyond the first couple of days of keto. I can't tell you how many times I slack off on my electrolyte intake, go a couple of weeks, feel absolutely horrible. And then I'm like, wait, I forgot to supplement with electrolytes. Another really important uh, time in your life to supplement with electrolytes is a couple of days before your period and into days one, two, and three of your cycle. So if you are still ovulating, menstruating, 
hydrating, all of those things, you want to make sure that you are at least having a packet of electrolytes a day just to help um, with that water loss and the adjustments to your electrolytes as you prepare for your period. Now, my favorite electrolyte powder these last couple of months has been Element. They're new on the scene. They are salty. They're good. And they just came out with a new watermelon salt electrolyte. Oh, it's good stuff. You guys can check out their watermelon salt and all of their flavors. I personally really love raspberry salt right now. It's blowing my mind. You can go to drinkelement.com forward slash KDP. Check out their watermelon salt and other flavors. They offer free shipping on all U.S. orders or international over $100. They also offer a no questions asked refund. So if you don't like it, you just send it back and you get your money back. So it's totally risk free to try. Again, that's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash K-D-P to check out their watermelon salt electrolyte powder. So you've been keto for three years. How has it changed from what you just described to what you're doing now? Like fast forward all the way. How has this changed in the three years? Well, I would say when I started keto, I... I was closer to the age I look now and I feel younger now, you know, (laughs) I feel like I switched. I feel like um, I'm Benjamin buttoning. I feel younger and more energetic. I don't remember exactly when it happened, but I remember really noticing at some point, like the anxiety and the depression lifting. And, and the most amazing part of it for me was uh, when I was in my mental illness, all those years up and down from my twenties till now, I kind of always felt like I was outside of my body. My feet weren't on the ground. I kind of just felt like I was observing life and not in life. I wasn't like a part of it. And at some point, and I wish I could remember the exact moment, but I realized that I felt like I was in the world and my feet were on the ground and I was like conscious for the first time. Um, My brain was just alive finally. Wow. That's amazing. That's so cool. It's, I remember the first 30 days of keto as somebody who has ADD, always feeling like I had like a veil over my head. Like I couldn't get to all of my brain. And it was very frustrating, especially as a child. Like I could feel like I could do something, but it just wasn't happening. And it was so frustrating. I used to have complete panic attacks and I'd act out and all the things. And when I went keto, those first 30 days, like at around the 30 ish day mark, all of a sudden I didn't have that feeling anymore and I could access my brain. <laughs> this was just yeah. like, what? This is what this feels like. I couldn't imagine like for the first time feeling like you're in your body. Wow. Yeah, it was a really cool feeling. And, and also uh, a little bit frustrating. I, I found because I was, I felt really sharp and really aware. And then I would go out into public like grocery shopping or the mall. And I felt like I was surrounded by zombies. It was such a weird feeling because I felt like I was, like on a different plane of existence than everybody else. It was really an odd feeling. Like I was moving at a different speed than everyone in a way. That is amazing. That is too cool. And like before you mentioned that you had like cravings, um, you know, on a restricted eating style, eating vegetarian. Now you're kind of going toward carnivore and doing all the carnivore stuff. Do you experience cravings? in there or not so much or how how has your relationship with cravings changed over time? It's interesting. I'm kind of still working through some of that stuff day to day. I eat so boring and I'm so okay with it. I don't really 
need variety day to day. Uh, I can do the ground beef. I can do scrambled eggs. Um, I'm not afraid of flavor. I'm not afraid of trying stuff. I just living by myself and just fueling myself. It's fine. Um, I've played with fasting over the last few years and I found that like doing it's, it's probably around 72 hour fast. I start getting cravings and it's usually sugar cravings. So I'm kind of learning right now that like full three day fasts, I have to limit those. I'm happy to do OMADs like a 24 hour or 23 hour, whatever. And those feel really good for me and they don't spark cravings. And I can do really long ones. I've done seven days and that's good. And I'm like happy to just jump back into normal eating after. But yeah, I, usually around the three day mark of a fast is when the craving monster kind of hits. So I've been reeling it in on those. Have you ever tried um, doing a 72 hour fast or longer on like day like five or six of your cycle? No, I am not a cycle tracker. <laughs> okay, well next time if, yeah 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 yeah. i'm just curious like if you end up trying it or not whatever but yeah. i know that when our hormones are at our lowest which is day one which is the first day of bleed to day 10 yeah. if, if after bleed you start a fast you may find you may find that you're able to like fast longer and you don't have cravings i'd be so curious if you try it and it does something <laughs> i should try that and it's funny that you mention um periods and one of one of the great things about keto since I've been keto is I don't have any mood swings. I don't have PMS. I don't, I don't even get cramps. I barely even notice that my period's coming. It just sort of, it happens. It's there and then it's gone. And then it's like, it's like, it's almost like nothing, nothing really changes except the bleeding and then it's over. Yeah. That's amazing. Right. I know I'm still a couple of years away from that, probably because I have so many hormone things I'm still working through, but it's so cool to hear other women that are like, oop, go my period. And all the inconveniences is now you're bleeding and then you're not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's been a, a really cool thing for me. I never, I never really suffered with my, with my period when I was much younger, I think, you know, junior high age, I had a few of those tear inducing cramps but it was never an ongoing problem for me. But uh, yeah, since I started keto, it's just, it's like no big deal whatsoever. It almost <laughs> isn't there. <laughs> That's awesome. And like, has it changed or adjusted or anything as you move more into like carnivore? I mean, I guess you're doing the same sort of keto macros. You're just focusing on more animal products. Has it changed at all since making that adjustment? Uh, overall, yeah, not really. I think I ended up kind of shifting into carnivore. I mean, I, I listened to Dr. Paul Saladino a lot and he had mentioned that for him, it cured his eczema and his asthma. And those are two things that I dealt with when I was younger. And uh, so that's kind of what intrigued me about it. But honestly, like carnivore has kind of become like a lot of convenience for me. I, I live in a very tiny apartment. I only have a mini fridge. I don't have space to be storing a lot of stuff. And I, I just found, I felt great. I felt equally good being carnivore. My stomach feels great being carnivore and, and I can limit the amount of food that I buy being carnivore. So yeah, it's, it's health, but it's also convenience for me. It's simple. Mm. Completely. And like, I think a lot of the questions that I get also as a fellow Canadian, you're in Edmonton, I grew up in Calgary, I understand that like, 
when we hear diet lifestyle adjustments, we're always like, well, America gets, America gets everything and they have all the products and we have nothing. How's it been like for you doing keto carnivore and all these things while living in Canada and having access to none of the fun stuff that everybody else gets? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm amazed at what they get and the, like the range of flavors available in the U S for everything, not just keto things. They get everything. You know, they have about 30 more Zevia flavors than we get. <laughs> you know, they have a hundred different quest bars. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and I mean, in that regard, it, it doesn't really matter to me. I don't really buy that stuff. I don't really love that stuff. I like, I'll, I'll buy Zevia. I prefer it to like a Diet Coke because there's no color in it. It's just Stevia and water basically and some flavoring. But the rest of it, yeah, I, I think I think it works for some people. And I see a lot of people getting healthier or losing weight and they almost don't even eat real food. <laughs> they eat a lot of keto stuff and that works for them. I find it's it's really just expensive and and I would rather have as few ingredients as possible. It takes away a lot of the the guessing or wondering, you know, if something doesn't feel right, what do I have to eliminate? And there's a hundred ingredients on a package, right? So meat is just meat, eggs are just eggs. And it just keeps things simple for me and, and less thinking and less questioning. I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. Yeah, I can relate to that 100%. I think having access to all the flavors and all the options and how much money you're spending on all the things because you can have them gets really complicated. And I know that I really appreciated like, you know, you just order. Do you know TK Ranch? Are you familiar with TK Ranch? No. Oh my gosh. They they have the best meat in Alberta and it's this ranch it's just North of Edmonton. So it must be pretty close. Like it's North of Edmonton. It's about the 30 minute drive outside of the city and, oh, their meat. Like I miss, I think about it at least once a week. Their ground beef is so fatty and so good that the fat is actually gold. Like it cooks gold. Like it's just, (laughs) it's so good. But like, I would rather spend my money on good quality animal protein that like tastes really good than the quest bar, fancy cinnamon roll flavor stuff. Yeah. I I've tasted some of them and I think, I think you really have to be creative to think that it tastes like (laughs) good imagination for for you to believe that it really tastes like what the picture in the package is because to me it to me it doesn't it tastes chemically to me it tastes I I don't know I don't think it's it's as good as the wrapper looks (laughs) completely completely I agree with you I never thought about that before but the pictures are always so cute you know great and it's this big cinnamon bun and it has all this dribbly stuff all over it looks so good and you're like this is not what I'm eating (laughs) the brick of protein powder (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. So you mentioned like so many things and, and the theme that I'm hearing from you is really learning about yourself. You know, like you tried fasting and you did this and, and what are the sorts of things that you've learned about yourself and what's that process like to just like, how did you know that it was 72 hour fasting that caused cravings? And like, what's, you know, as somebody who's you've said has lived outside of her body for so long to live inside your body 
and be inquisitive about your body. What has that process been like? I guess I'm, I've always been curious. I really like to learn. Um, though I haven't done a lot of school, I always said to myself, if I ever won the lottery, I would just go to school and learn everything. But it's been really interesting, really listening to me and not worrying about the image of vegetarianism, for example, and not worrying about the rules of keto and just really trial and error and not thinking that because I read something saying that this kind of fasting is the best way to fast and this is why you should do it, that that's necessarily right for me. Just like, just like I, I think in the interview that you just did with, with Sam, she even said keto is not for everyone. And while I think it's a great thing to try and it's pretty harmless to try, I don't think it's for everyone. And, and like I mentioned with the quest bars and all the treats and stuff, some people can do really well with all of that. Some people can have dairy, some people can't like you. And I think it's been really fun and really enlightening to really feel the changes and observe the changes. And I think um, by going keto and especially going carnivore and removing all the variables, you really notice the changes when you try the things again. So that's been really cool for me. I, you know, I notice that if I have if I have sugar, like if I have like if I indulge in a treat, um, I'll start getting eczema around my eyes, and and I'll normally notice like when I go to work out, um, my asthma starts bugging me again when it can be like pretty chill most of the time. So those are things that I notice, and you know, once in a while you give into the craving and you kind of understand the consequence, but it it helps keep me in check and away from those things that are clearly poisoning me and not serving me well. Yeah. And it sounds like you're like making a choice, you know, and that's what I think I love. I love hearing from you is like, I know that when I do X, Y, Z, I'm going to experience X, Y, Z. Do I really want that thing? Cause I'm going to have to deal with that thing. I think that that's, yeah, that curiosity, the inquisitiveness is just is so important to just making a choice that fits well with your body and less of a, like, you know, when you say you were growing up and it was all about restriction and just chasing the scale down, it's like a whole different life you're living now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, we all know you can, you can lose weight with any calorie restriction. You know, you can, there's, there's the cookie diet. Have you ever heard of this? There's a cookie diet out there. I didn't. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, I don't know if it's a doctor, but there's actually, it's the funniest thing. It looks like something off of Saturday night live. It's, it's this professional who has this whole website and sells you cookies. And if you eat this many cookies, you will lose weight. <laughs> this is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that can be anything, right? Like you don't need a website to tell you that. But for me, it's not just that. And I've had weight loss and I've had some gain and it's, it's okay because the overarching thing that's been going on is that I feel well and I feel more vital and strong and, and alive. And I'm, you know, I'm more active than I ever was in my life. Um, I'm more clear than I ever was in my life. And I'm just generally happier than I ever was in my life. I'm so happy for you. That's just, it's so wonderful to hear your story and hear all the things that you've experienced to get you to this point where you're prioritizing your health, you're making choices, you're getting fired up about nutrition. What has that been like to just get really excited about, like what you said, the micronutrients, the macronutrients, nutrition, and kind of getting more into the sciencey stuff that it sounds like you really like? Well, yeah, I really like it. It's, it's like, 
it's exciting for me and it's been really fun to connect with this community. Um, I've made some friends. There are people that I will eventually visit when we can visit again. It's also, it's had its downside. You know, I've lost friends through it. You know, a really, a friend of mine who I was very close with, uh, she went through nutrition. She's an acupuncturist. She took nutrition, but had a very different education. I'm sure you understand. <laughs> yep. So, I had a couple of those friends had being the word there. <laughs> it it kind of unfortunately created a, a rift between us and it pushed us apart because, and a lot of people see keto and low carb as being unhealthy because the government says it's unhealthy because their doctor says it's unhealthy. And yeah, it's really hard. It's, it's hard in that respect to be a part of something and doing something where you feel so great and you see so much success, but not being able to communicate that or get people to really understand it. So that's, that's been a downside, but I've kind of learned over time that I, I have to do it for me. And, and if anybody wants to learn from me, that's great, but I'll never force it on anyone. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to, you know, your mom teaching you like, don't do the shoulds because (laughs) I mean, it doesn't work anyways. (laughs) It doesn't work and it just causes a riff. But I think too, you know, I, especially since you came from the vegetarian place and I can relate, you know, coming from being vegan, when I told my friends that I was eating pork rind pancakes, like pork rinds ground up with eggs and fried in butter or coconut oil or whatever I was doing at the point, it was hard for Uh, like them mostly to accept that I was doing that. (laughs) Well, it's completely opposite to, to the Canadian food guide, or I don't know if I'm sure you saw it. The, the U S one recently got updated and it's, it, it's like an attack on keto, what they've done in the U S and it's hard to, to kind of look at it objectively and not sound like a conspiracy theorist, you know, (laughs) just seeing, you know, your friends and, and people like yourself changing their lives for the better through this lifestyle. And then the government is telling everyone, no, you actually need 75% of your, your daily intake to be carbohydrates and people actually aren't having enough carbohydrates and, and meat causes heart disease and meat causes cancer, but the, but we're seeing the opposite happen firsthand. So, yeah. It's incredibly frustrating and that's why episodes like this and you sharing your stuff on your Instagram and just like everything that we're trying to do to kind of change the the conversation and highlight, you know, what other options are available. And I think that's the thing. And to bring it back to the very beginning, you said, I didn't even know keto was an option. And same with me. I mean, I paid a lot of money for the education that I have. And it's interesting. As soon as I found keto, I was like, did I learn about this in school? Was I like gone that month? Like where, where in my textbooks did we learn about keto? And so I went back to my textbooks and my notes and everything. And I found the keto section. And the only thing I learned about in nutrition school (laughs) in my notebook was keto equals bad. Don't do it. Yeah. And that's kind of all that is ever said about it. And, and there's no, and there's never any real evidence to back that up. But, you know, my doctor said it or a politician said it, uh, someone who's an authority figure in health, which is crazy to me. I don't really understand someone dictating your health from the government, you know, when there's just there's 37 million of us in in the country and we're all we all have different bodies and different genetics and, and different issues that we're dealing with. And the government says this 
is is what everyone should do. It doesn't make sense. I know. Yeah, you're so right. Getting into more of the epigenetics and understanding, you know, mental health and the requirements of fat and what people need and how that informs their hormone regulation. And, uh, you know, a diabetic is going to need a different diet than a a pregnant woman. Like, you know, all these different intricate details that require bio individuality. And I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more when it comes to um, the bio individuality of a person based on their health, we all have to eat a little bit differently. And it's phenomenal that you kind of like, I love hearing stories of people that kind of like woke up to the whole thing was like, wait, I'm responsible for my own body and my own health. And then nobody else is going to do it for me. (laughs) Yeah. um, It was, I, I had this really funny moment, actually, so the, the only thing right now that I even see a doctor for is because I still use Ventolin when I work out for, um, because I have asthma, that's the only thing I ever talked to a doctor about. And now I can call, get it refilled and that's it. But I actually, <laughs> um, the doctor that I had sort of started to see after I moved to where I am now, I got the phone call. Oh, it's time for your annual checkup. And I was like, you know, no, I'm good. Cause I feel like, what, what are we looking for? I feel great. And like, no, <laughs> I'll, I'll come to you if I, if I need to. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I probably go once a year for my annual checkup, just like for a pap, you know, like that's always been because I had HPV ages ago and I'm like so sensitive about that, that I like go, but I agree with you. I think even Last time I was in the doctors now, this is the same doctor I've seen for seven years. And every time I go in, I have to fight with her about the fact that I refuse to get on a scale because I had an eating disorder and I do not want to know my weight. And it, oh, it's like, you don't need to know my weight. Look at my body. It's fine enough. It's great. This will not inform anything that you need to tell me. It's okay. I don't need it. But yeah, I I totally feel you on that. Yeah, I can, I can really relate to that. Just going back in time a bit. I I had a doctor for a while. I didn't have a doctor of my own in Edmonton and my ex-husband, his doctor was willing to take me on because we're family, even though it's, you know, it's impossible to find a doctor in Canada. Yep. Um, So he was willing to take me on. And there was a time when, um, so I, I had a car accident about eight years ago and I've been left with kind of residual pain in my upper back. And without an x-ray, without physio, without an MRI, without any of it, he decided it was neuropathic and wanted to put me on antidepressants to try to block the pain signal to my back. And I told him, absolutely not. Not because at that time I was too worried about taking drugs or I thought it was a wrong diagnosis, but I said I was working on my mental health at the time. And because of past experience with, uh, antidepressants. I did not want to go back on them. I didn't like how they made me feel. I felt like they blocked my progress with, you know, being in therapy. And it turned into three appointments of him like railing it on me, trying to convince me to take these antidepressants. And I just flat out refused. I got to a point where I I said, even if he wrote me the prescription, I would never fill it. And that was kind of, that was the end of seeing that doctor. I, I would not go back after that. And that was even after he he laughed at me for thinking I could um, manage my asthma better with better nutrition. He said, oh, no, it's dangerous. You can't do that. It's so challenging. Like I, I know that there are good doctors because I've met them and they're amazing. But 
in order to understand this conversation, you need to be a Canadian <laughs> because like, not only is it impossible to find a doctor, like it is so hard to find a doctor that is taking patients. And then you have to wait months for your appointment. Sometimes like I remember when I was looking for a new doctor, it was 10 months to get a meet and greet, like not even an actual an actual appointment where I could ask questions and talk to the doctor. It was like a meet and greet. And then two months later, the actual physical, like it is so incredibly important. I think for everyone to advocate for their own health and like, how cool was it that you talked to the doctor and said like, no, this is my body. And this conversation isn't to say that all doctors are evil because I've met some amazing doctors, but I think generally speaking, my experience in Canada has been the same over and over and over and over and over again. Like, yeah. ugh. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I, I would like to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and that they're only doing what they know. I'm assuming because of his age, I think he was in his, you know, maybe his 60s, late 50s. Prescribing was the thing. Like medication was new and exciting when he was in medical school. And so prescribing it was the thing to do. And that was kind of how doctors learned at that time. I'm hoping that things will shift moving forward. I know that it is the responsibility of a doctor to continue to learn. That's why they call it a practice. But um, a lot of them, I've, I think, just leave medical school with that bubble of knowledge and take that and say, this is how I do medicine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, completely. And I've seen that. And it's, I, I think that's why it's so important when we do find a doctor, like whenever I find a good doctor, I'm like this doctor over here, go to them. They're the best. We just need to clone them or something. But I agree with you. I think it takes, and, and that's why conversations like what you had with your doctor is so important. You know, whenever I do meet a new doctor, I come equipped with studies and references and I'm ready to go. And Oftentimes, if I go about it the right way and have these conversations with these doctors, sometimes I can get through to them and they're, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'll leave the paper on my desk. Maybe I'll read it. And that's like enough for me to be like, okay, like it just takes a bunch of us saying, you know, they pull our labs and all they're willing to test is cholesterol. And all of a sudden our cholesterol has gone down by 60 points. And they're like, what are you doing here? It's like, I'm on a low carb, high fat diet. And they're like, what? You're like, yeah, that's the only thing I've changed. And it takes enough of us just being honest with what we're doing in order to create that change where the doctor hopefully is like, wait a minute, maybe there's something to this. Yeah. And, and we see it uh, in our community too. Like I just listened to, and I posted about it on my Instagram. Um, Dr. Mark Hyman had a, an interview with Jay Shetty and, and Jay Shetty is not necessarily in the keto world. But so it was really exciting to me to hear Dr. Mark Hyman, who I think historically was more in the vegetarian world, is now more in the low carb world, but is very careful about how he presents it and words it so that he doesn't kind of alienate. And it was really neat to hear that information probably, you know, five years down the road from when I first learned about Dr. Mark Hyman, um, this message is being spread to a broader audience now, or Joe Rogan, even his audience yes. is learning about carnivore and low carb. And it's, it's just, it's working its way in. It's infiltrating. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Speaking about infiltrating, tell us about your Instagram, what you're sharing on there, how people can connect with you. Um, yeah, take it away. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So Instagram is like my only real thing right now. I did uh, sign up with an email address if anyone wants to email me, but I really just post 
my boring uh, carnivore meals. Um, I like to do stories. I do a lot of reposting from other, uh, I guess, keto influencers. And um, yeah, I just really love connecting with people and making friends and, and sharing stories and advice and, and just supporting everyone who's starting their keto journey or who's in it. And I'm still learning from people who have been deep into it. So my Instagram is at ketosaurus underscore Jax, spelled J-A-X. And yeah, say hi. Yeah. I love it. And I will include, I will include the link. If you're watching this on the video, you can find it below in the YouTube description. And if you're listening to this on the audio, I will include it in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jacqueline. This was just so fun to get to learn about you and to hear your story. And I'm just, I'm, I know we just met, but I'm really proud of all the things that you've experienced and just like your, your, like your zeal for just like going after stuff and taking care of yourself. It's really inspiring. Well, thank you. And I'm so glad that you came across my account and invited me on. And I'm glad that you're my first podcast. I hope, I hope I have others. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You did a great job. (laughs) Thanks again for coming on. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. In a couple of days, we are going to be posting episode 312. And this is a unique one because Jonathan Shane on the Keto Road podcast interviewed me and he let me share this interview with all of you. I'm going to be talking about how I adjust keto for my cycle and how I guide my clients through doing this in my six-week keto weight loss program. If you want to find out more about the program at this point and you're like, what? Adjusting keto for my cycle? Tell me where I can find out more. I will include a link in the show notes today. And then episode 313, Dr. Dana Elias chatting with us about stem cells. And if you're like, this is boring, I'm totally going to skip this episode. Please don't. It's really good. I had no idea what stem cells did. It's a good one. So I will see you there and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. Music for the Keto Diet Podcast provided by Yechi. Follow Jacob on Instagram at Yechi underscore official and on Spotify as Yechi. That's Y-E-C-H-I. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.